And hey, um, hey. yeah, good. The 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 numbers of autistic students enrolled in colleges and universities is is increasing. They're a big good. chunk of the population, and um, we need to serve them and do the best we can yes, we for do. them. Yes, we do. And by the way, I might add, in college, these kids are paying a lot of money to go. So it's everybody better understand. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the the other side, you know, parents have to understand this, too. When they're helping a son or daughter pick a college, they have to pick a college that that works for their kid. It's not just the most fun school, but you go to college mm-hmm. to learn. And you have to, the, the teachers have to understand that you may have differences in you know, sometimes it's hard for a professor who's teaching history or a professor who's teaching science to understand that, that kids have different needs. Okay, they're teaching larger and, groups, et cetera. Yeah, good. Ken. And different learning styles, too. Yep. Um, and and the college's relationship with with students is very, very important, but they also have a relationship with the parents. And mm-hmm. uh, the role of parents changes some as they're uh, – children who are now adults uh, begin their college careers. And, you know, we That's have found that, that parents of students with learning differences are very involved with the, um, the education of their, of their children. Uh, but the parents also mm-hmm. have to learn that there's a difference in their role as their children become adults and enroll in college. Um, they can still be involved and they can still encourage, but the students have to take a little more responsibility uh, for themselves. And maybe we'll talk about that some more when we get into talking about orientation and things like that. Well, we certainly, we certainly can. And, uh, you know, you know, you must have learned that over the course of time, you know, parents in K-12 whose student, whose children have special needs are great advocates for their kids. Uh-huh. Okay. They, they really do. And the pressure is not the right word, but they're constantly making sure their kid is being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now a, a child goes off to college, okay? And it, it, even if it's local, it's a different world. I hadn't thought about that, okay? It's, a, it's really a different world. And the parents have to, have to understand that as much as the student does. It's a key thing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the professors have to understand it. Because those mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. could be, um, you know, asking a lot of questions to get more involved than the professor might be used to. It, it's a very, mm-hmm. it, that's a very interesting thing you brought up. And the other thing you brought yeah. up, which I have to say, wait, hold, let me, I just got to say this. When I, I described it as, kid, you know, for kids with, that, with different differences, and you said, that, but it's their learning style, and that's the whole point of all this. These kids are quite capable of learning and learning well. We have to remember why they are in school. It's it, it it's not just for the fun of college. It's to actually learn something, and to mm-hmm. understand the way they learn is a tricky thing. And that's why Landmark mm-hmm. College, like that. By the way, everybody, Landmark College, Landmark Edu, is, is is really good at this. And I, I just always like to say that. How long were you there, Ken? I was there college. for a long time since probably. Over 30 years, I guess I started there in 1979. Wow. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Wow. Good for you. Recently, I've been looking at the history of the, of the neurodiversity movement. And sometimes when you're so close to something every day, yeah. uh, you don't realize how important the work is and, and how influential a place can be. 
I was doing a little research for some writing on the, the history of the neurodiversity movement. And we say now uh, we have a neurodiversity mission at Landmark College, which we do. But even before the days when we had the term uh, neurodiversity, which started to be used, uh, was coined by Judy Singer in 1998, uh, uh, we, we used to talk with our students about about learning differences. We would ask our students, you know, do you have a learning difference or do you have a disability? And most of our students would conclude that, well, I learn differently, but when I need an academic adjustment or I need accommodation, I might have to prove that I have a disability. And um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how we use language and, and yeah, how- the semantics of it, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very important. I think language is important. It is, and I, and you know, I really don't like it to say this. I don't like the word disability. I hate it. I just don't like uh -huh. it. Okay, it's just for people who, you know, learn differently or act differently or have a particular challenge, but they can handle it. All right, mm -hmm. and we can handle it, and it's it's just important yeah. just you know to say that they are quote what you're basically saying is they are not able and they are able, and that's why I love what right. you said about. Right. You know, we're, talk, we're talking about these people, these students learning. It's a, it's a key thing. They're not going to learn without good SEL. How do you figure that out, Ken? Okay, yeah, hot so in K-12. Yeah, some, some of the, so many of the autistic students uh, have so much academic ability, um, and they're not, they're not struggling as much with the, with the content or the understanding. They, but they have social challenges that sometimes mm -hmm. slow things down, and, and we got to support them both socially and emotionally as they pursue their goals at colleges and universities. How did you do that as a psychology professor? What did you do? What support did you um, give You must have seen well, it almost you know, right off the bat, you know. I, I had to learn to be a little more flexible over the years, and, <laughs> sure. and I think I did. Exactly I did gradually do that, and and sort of understand their 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 different learning styles. Understand when they need to get up and move around. Maybe uh, understand that there's more ways to prove that you understand something than writing a paper or taking a well, test. I mean, those are important skills. But when you look at uh, universal design, well, at Landmark, we've always talked about multimodal teaching uh, and, and different kinds of learning. But, um, you know, there are a lot of ways you can, you can sh demonstrate knowledge. You can write a paper. You can make a video. You can do a PowerPoint presentation. You can make a poster. Uh, there are visual things, uh, movement things, so many different ways to show that you understand um, the information that's important in the course. Yeah, and as a professor, and you can do that. Again, uh, yeah, yeah. it's hard. You it's can hard do that without you. lowering, without lowering standards and, and keeping exactly. standards high. It's a, you're, that, that's exactly right. Okay, it's it's just amazing. When you wrote the book, what you, what, I haven't seen the book. So what did, what have you talked about in the book? What are the main topics, the main ideas that you covered in the book? Again, social. So let me do it again. Social and emotional support for autistic students on campus when the kids go to college. Yeah, the, the topics, the book is written, first of all, the book is written from a neurodiversity point of view. And, and that point of view sees autism and dyslexia and ADHD and other conditions 
as kind of natural natural variations that are a result of a, a very complex human genome. They're not disorders to be cured. Uh, these young people are not broken. They just think differently. Yeah. They experience the world differently. And neurodiversity recognizes the advantages that sometimes come with autism or dyslexia, as well as the, the barriers and difficulties that young people face. So topics I, I get to in the book, uh, I talk about cognition, different, different ways of thinking, uh, social interactions, uh, identity development, gender, intersectionality, um, living in a community, and, and also the emergence of uh, neurodiversity culture. And another thing I did in the book, which I have been doing more of in the last few years that I should have done more of earlier in my research yeah. and writing career is it's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. in touch with uh, um, neurodivergent students and asking them to be part of the process uh, in the um, book, um, Social and Emotional Support for Autistic Students on Campus. After I finished my draft, I contacted uh, almost as many autistic uh, graduates, alums, graduate students, people I've met through research groups who are autistic individuals doing research, and asked them if they might be interested in writing a comment to be included in the book. And I asked them to write, you know, sort of short essays of about 500 words to react to different chapters. And, and the, mm -hmm. the voices of neurodivergent individuals are included in the book, and I think it, it kind of uh, rounds thing out, things out quite a bit in an important way. It really does. And if I may, what, what would be a favorite comment that you got from one of those students? There's probably a number of them, but can um, you think of one that you really just yeah, for, stood out? Yeah, for example, um, I write about masking or passing which is when autistic mm. students kind of work at pretending not to be autistic so they will exactly. be accepted. And um, a couple students wrote about, or former students, they're, they're actually out in, the, in their careers in the workforce now. Of course. Um, but they would comment about how exhausting that is and how difficult mm. it is um, and how much energy that takes up. Well, imagine trying to be something you're not. Uh, for long periods of time, uh, yep. it's, it's very exhausting. So, um, and they wrote about identity development was another thing they, they commented on and uh, how how their lives changed when they kind of decided to understand or even embrace autism as a part of who they are. So, and it is um, a part of yeah. who they are. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, okay. it is. People yeah. will. I think people people will understand it's that simple. If they don't, they better start to. That's all I have to say on that mm -hmm. subject. Okay. Well, it, that's it, another another thing. Go ahead. Another yeah. thing I got into is this double empathy problem. You know, where they have to start people who are neurotypical, like myself. Um, they have to kind of understand that people with autism uh, and other neurodivergent people might communicate differently and that uh, they have to work a little harder at being empathic and, and not just say, oh, that autistic person doesn't understand what other people feel. 
you have to try to um, go the extra mile to try and understand their communication style because they may communicate differently. It's, for example, my experience of this is during the pandemic, I decided I would really work on my Spanish and try to learn to speak Spanish fluently. And um, sometimes, sometimes when someone's talking to me very, very rapidly in Spanish, I have to ask them, oh, please slow down a little bit um, so I can understand you a little better. Um, and um, that's referred to as the double empathy problem. It's a two, communication's a two-way street. And uh, education's a two-way street, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it is. So and, you know, on all this, when you were writing the book, who were you writing mm-hmm. it for? Because I, th- I, you know, I see it as parents. I see it as mm-hmm. obviously the student themselves, but more so, I, I see it for professors and for teachers. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that and but that's that's me uh, thinking about it. When you were writing it, who were you writing it for? Well, well, I kind of got the idea because I was teaching a course for uh, the Landmark College Institute for Research and Training, right? They yeah, have a- uh, talk about that, yeah. LCERT, yeah, yeah LCERT for short. They um, have a program, a post-baccalaureate program in um, learning differences for professional, it's a professional certific- certificate program for, uh, we get a lot of disability office people from colleges and Mm -hmm. universities, professors, counselors. We get secondary school counselors and teachers and disability uh, professionals. And they offer a a certificate program. And they have three tracks, one on autism, one on uh, executive function, and another Mm -hmm. one on uh, disability services. And um, I was teaching a course, a, it's a six-week course, on, and the title of the course is Social and Emotional Support for Autistic Students on Campus. And at the end there of the first, <laughs> first round of teaching it, I've, I've taught it three times now, I said, you know, there's a lot of good information here. I'm going to write all this down for faculty members, um, disability service professionals, counselors, students, parents, anyone who's interested um and uh yeah i think i think uh faculty members instructors teachers can get a lot out of the book i'm 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 sure they can and i think it's very important that they do all right and i want to talk to you some more because we said it quickly it's landmark colleges at landmark.edu all right they have the landmark college institute for research and training which i I, if i may it's professional development opportunities that they offer to their fellow educators and i think i can say k-20 okay working with neurodivergent students and it's a certificate program when do they run that is it online or do they how's it work it's it's online it's it's um you know, there's a lot of online exercises and communication that we do, and I prepare, or all the instructors prepare uh, presentations that the students access online, and they have readings. It's based on research and, and evidence-based uh, practices we share. We share what we do at Landmark, and, um, you know, we look at the current research and offer strategies both in and out of the classroom. 
And, um, you know, we also have uh, synchronous meetings once a week where we, we get together and talk about the materials we've been reading. And, and the, the LCERT group is, is, is a great group. They're doing a lot of good work, a lot of original research, and, and their mission is really uh, to share uh, current knowledge on teaching and, um, you know, to spread the word. They, they do webinars, workshops. They do a summer institute every June, which is a, which is a great thing. They bring in, you know, nationally known speakers, internationally known speakers. They do workshops, and people from all over the country, all over the world, come together at Landmark for three days to talk about teaching uh, students uh, who learn differently. And and we also involve our students in in the institute and the uh, in the summer uh, summer institute, and it's a great chance for. Uh, professionals to talk with our students about what has worked for them and what has not mm-hmm. worked for them. So, yeah. And what, so what's your they, feeling? Doing some I good have work. to ask you this. What's your feeling? Uh, and, you know, if a kid is, well, I'll just use autism, why not? Okay, if a kid is autistic and will need help, what, what's your feeling what's about them going, going to, a, well, I'll just say University of Michigan, why not? University of Michigan, University of Maine, whatever, rather than a landmark. What do they need to uh-huh. be sure of? Yeah. Well, I, I think they need to wherever they go, they need to be to understand they're going to have to advocate for themselves. Uh, they need to be in touch with the uh, disabilities office there, so they can get any accommodations or academic adjustments they might need as they go into their program. Uh, there are students who can do very well in a big university, but oh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough, and they need to know how to access and how to advocate for themselves. Um, yeah, it's, you know, they may need special living accommodations. They may mm-hmm. need classroom accommodations. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they need to learn about their own strengths, and they need to learn um, where they may need assistance and help. So uh, my feeling it's, it's, is they can be successful, yeah. but they have to – advocate for themselves you know they're going to have to do that uh, unfortunately a lot of their life and they got to learn it at some point that's kind of if i may what college is for is to really get things going for yourself okay it's it's a, it's a good thing and on the same note i have to ask what are you hearing from professors at, at, i'll just use university of michigan it's a big school it doesn't matter what school at a big university penn state what are you hearing from them as more and more neurodiverse kids and come into a school. Use Penn State this time, okay? Big Ten rival. All right. What? What? I, um, yeah. What are you hearing? I think you'll. I think you'll still have a. You still have a range of uh, understanding and 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 knowledge about neurodivergent students. Um, some professors are going to be very empathic and understand, and and just do what they can to help the student out, and others. Others will 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 find it as unusual, or think that's not what we do, or think if I yeah. provide an academic adjustment for a handful of students, it's not fair to the other students. Um, but but I, I don't think that's accurate. Um, but I do think more and more people are learning about neurodiversity and understanding neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. It's um it, it's a it's a growing trend, and the word is getting out, and and people are starting to understand that, you know, the Americans with Disability Act 
mm-hmm. guarantees certain rights to people with disabilities. Neurodiversity does not, it's not anti-disability. What neurodiversity is, is sort of a, a movement kind of layered on top of the disability rights movement. And um, the things that are covered in the Americans with Disabilities Act, those are civil rights. So um, people are starting yes, to understand they are. that. Yes, they are. So, and I, 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 you know, I, speaking of terms I like and don't like, I really like the term neurodiverse. I think that really mm-hmm. kind of sums it up. Okay, there's nothing wrong. They're just diverse. Okay, they learn they're, differently. They're, yeah, there are so yeah. many different kinds of brains. There's not one normal kind of brain. There's not only one type of brain. We have a lot of different kinds of brains. We have yeah. a lot of different kinds of learning styles. Uh, sure and do. when you're trying to solve a problem, you want a diverse group of people who think differently about that problem. And when you do that, you're more likely to That's find a, a solution to the problem. That's a great a point. To the issue. So. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about people who think outside the box, okay? They learn differently right. and they, they think differently. And I, I, that, that's really a great point. I have to tell you, I'll tell you a little story. A friend of mine had a serious eye problem uh, a couple of years ago, and it had to do mm-hmm. with serious pressure in, your, in his eyes, far worse than what, what we normally know. And he really searched, and there was only one doctor in, and he, he's in the Boston area, okay? And and mm-hmm. there was exactly one doctor in the whole in the whole Boston area, which is filled with, with doctors. Okay, this is this gentleman. Uh, the doctor is is very very autistic. He's an eye surgeon. All right, mm-hmm. and in order to help him speak to his uh, patients properly, he he works with a partner, a, a doctor. Okay, so mm-hmm. one of them is the surgeon, and the other one is the communicator. Okay, mm-hmm. and they they work together and. Thank God, this gives it, this uh, this doctor who's one of the few in the world I think who can perform this particular surgery, okay, was able to cure my friend. And it, 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 uh-huh. my point is, it just it just goes to show you, okay, when people think differently, it, it may not it may not seem right, but it is right, okay. They have the yeah. they have the abilities, and some of them have the most amazing abilities we we can even imagine. They just have to be, we have to take the time to teach them properly, otherwise. And, and this goes back to, to what I wanted to talk about at the beginning is social-emotional learning. One of the things that school mm-hmm. districts are learning is that people do academically better when they're given holistic social-emotional learning support. This is kids from K-12 on. It's that simple. Absolutely. And if, yeah. And, and I hate to yeah. say this, Ken, because you are a college professor, but believe me, when I was in school 47 million years ago, okay, they were light years, I might add, okay? Um Believe me, the professors, the professors, they had no more understanding of that than, than, than whatever, okay? And I just hope that's changed because college professors, are, they're just fine, are very subject-oriented. And by subject, right. I mean the subject they're teaching. And in order, but the, the fact of the matter is, if, if they want to teach, that means people have to learn. And you, they have to right. learn what all of their students need. It's not just facts, and a lot of them know this, you know, coming, coming from a well, well-rehearsed brain, okay? But it's, it's, it's the other needs that the students have that, that will, will make them learn. You want to be a, if you if the kids aren't learning, you aren't teaching, okay? And if I need Absol- to stand up there absolutely. and profess, yeah, you know, it's, it's not good. You've got to really look at this carefully. 
I'm saying professors. Go ahead, Ken. But I'm blabbing here. One one of the one of the things I, I really like about Landmark. It, it, whenever yeah. you would run into any small group of, of landmark professors, what they're probably talking about is teaching. They spend a lot of time talking about teaching and finding the best way to work with our students. We have a lot of great yeah, young professors and great experienced professors with a lot of content knowledge. All of us over time learned how to um, best be in touch with and best um, pass on that content knowledge. You know, we started with mostly dyslexic students. Then in the 90s, we got a wave of students who had concerns with executive function. And then maybe 10 or 15 years ago, we started to get a lot of autistic students. And with each new wave wow. of students, we had to learn new ways of teaching. And we had to realize that worked, what worked for the last wave might not work for the next wave. And that some students don't just have autism, they might also have executive function problems Absolutely. or anxiety problems or problems with memory or, or problems with language processing. And these things often come in combination. So uh, that's a nice thing about Landmark. They're always talking about it teaching and, and trying to be better teachers. They really are. The end. You guys do a beautiful job. And by the way, everybody, it's in a beautiful spot. Putney, Vermont <clears throat> is absolutely gorgeous. Okay, just a sweet town. It just, is. Just just a, a, a little bit north of Brattleboro in southeastern Vermont. It's really we're right on the New Hampshire line. Ken, I want to ask you one thing before you leave. I know you're Professor mm -hmm. Emeritus. Are you still teaching over there at all? Well, I'm teaching uh, the um, social and emotional support for autism, uh, autistic students in the uh, certificate program for ELSER. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still involved with the college. For example, next uh, a week from Saturday is our alumni weekend, and I'm going to be uh, giving a presentation on neurodiversity and the nice. role of landmark in the history of neurodiversity and an introduction to neurodiversity culture next um, next a week from Saturday for our That's alumni really weekend. So I'm still I'm still involved with our Center for Neurodiversity, which is a great organization that's doing some great work. And I'm still doing writing and research. So, yeah, I'm still involved. I'm, I try yeah, to stay you active. Are. Exactly, my brain it's, it's a good retirement. You're, you're semi-retired. Let me put it that way. Is that good? Yeah, I Demo? guess that's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my standing joke is, you know, I see Professor Emeritus. I always say that means old. That's Emeritus. That's right. It does. It's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Uh, it is but, true. But going on... Going yes. up to campus and, and being with young people, uh, it's a good thing for me anyway. It makes me oh, feel absolutely. good. Absolutely. It, it's, it's terrific. It's a beautiful spot. I, I, you know, Putney's a, a, an adorable little town, okay, and again, in, in just a gorgeous part of the world. As you know, I'm a New Englander too, so uh, we're in good shape. Ken, thank you. This was just great. I'll push the book right at the end, and yeah. everybody is linked up here. I hope people okay. really, really understand this. It's an important selection that kids make, and in K-12, it's important you help the, your students look at what they really want to do in higher ed and help them along. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do the show. And it's important for everybody who's teaching. And we talk to a lot of professors when we do these shows, you know, that they have to understand what's going on with their, with their students who do, in fact, learn. They just happen to learn differently. Okay. So thank you, Ken Gobo. Yeah. Man. Thanks, 
Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, social and emotional support for autistic students. Probably the least expensive way to get your hands on that book is to go to www.cambridgescholars.com mm-hmm. and order it directly from the uh, publisher. And if there's a place for a discount code um, and someone's oh. interested, promo25, P-R-O-M-O-2-5, and you could also get it from Amazon or Waterstones, but the, probably the books, academic books, I think they're priced kind of high. Um, the <laughs> they, cheapest they are, way to get it is probably through the publisher. A lot of libraries have it too. So um, Excellent. So, yeah. Excellent. And I wish you the best of luck thanks. with it. And I do have this all linked up here on site. So, Ken, thanks a million. Have a good day and a good time at Landmark. Yep. Tell everybody I said hello. Thank you, Larry. I will. I'll send your greeting. Thank, thank you, Dr. Gobo. Have a good day. Bye, Ken. Take care. Bye. There you go, everybody. Ken knows his stuff. That's Dr. Ken Gobo, Professor Emeritus, young at heart, at Landmark College. Look at landmark.edu. Check it all out. This LCIRT program, L-C-I-R-T. Just Google this, the Landmark College Institute for Research and Training. Professional development for dealing with students who learn differently. And we'll archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Go over there, see what we do. I'm Larry Jacobs. Have a great day.